Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Love. I love relationships. We all have them, need them, or want them. They connect us in this world. Not all relationships are great, but I want to talk about the great ones because they get overlooked. We hear about the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. But when we hear about the beautiful and elevating relationships, that's when we get further in this world. And we grow and become more successful. I'm your host, Arielle Levitt. So let's start elevating the love for more positive relationships. This week um, is very interesting. I'm bringing on a friend, actually, a friend who I've met through networking and business and very um, niche field that she does, which I really enjoy the the areas of, of work that she does. But she's a clinical social worker, a life and relationship coach, and she's the niche that she has actually found, Mary Owens, that has found that... Um, is helping women in transition with after a divorce and what that looks like. So I'm very, very excited to bring you, Mary, on the podcast today. Thank, <laughs> so thank you, you so much. much. Yeah. Thank you. So there's, when we were talking last time, there were so many different things that we talked about that it's funny, actually, even before like this interview just started, I was like, wait, we had talked about so many things. What did we even talk about that we had to like make sure we recorded for this podcast? <laughs> so um, there's, first off, I always like to, to start with everybody that comes on this podcast is like, where did you start? How did you start with this? And why, did, how did you get into this field, this niche? How did I get into, well, um, my academic training is in clinical social work. I have a bachelor's in psychology and my master's is in clinical social work. And I worked predominantly in treatment centers and a passion of mine has always been relationships, you know, be it couples, be it family systems, be it teams, but, you know, really because without relationships, what is life? And, you know, so I was working as a therapist in treatment centers and, um, I kind of got burned out by it. And so somebody introduced me into the coaching concept, which I found was fascinating. So I received my first certification and part of the certification process was they said, you have to figure out who it is that you want to work with. Cause as a therapist, I was always like, well, if you've got great skills, you can really work with anyone. Um, but they said, no, for marketing. And I was thinking about it. And when I got divorced several years prior, um, everyone seemed to think that I needed to go into therapy, you know, that I had all these unresolved issues and things that needed to, I needed to address. And I just wanted to move on. I knew kind of what had happened in the marriage and I was really ready to say, I don't want to stay in the negativity any longer. I'm really t wanting to start a new life. And it occurred to me that I didn't need therapy. I needed a coach. And mm -hmm. so that's what started my whole um, wanting to work with you know, divorced women, and it has kind of morphed into women going through any kinds of transition. I've worked with women who are going through career transitions, the midlife crisis, uh, and more recently, even some women who are looking towards their retirement years and are wanting to do more than simply have fun, and they're wanting to contribute and give back to the world still, but they don't know what that looks like. Um, so, mm. and again, relationships are, it's always, part of the equation being ex-spouses, current boyfriends, girlfriends, children, um, mothers, coworkers, you know, it's, it's all about relationships. It's just a matter of 
um, the rules and boundaries of the relationships change depending on if it's a personal or professional relationship, but you know, really the dynamics are very similar. Yeah. And boundaries, you just said boundaries and boundaries is such a key word to mm-hmm. in relationships that I, I mean, I know I've <laughs> not set the right boundaries in relationships mm-hmm. and boundary setting is really hard, especially I'm, I'm a rescuer. I tend mm. to just want to rescue that person. I've, I've worked really hard to put up a boundary now about that, but right. for so many years, do you find like a lot of women tend to rescue in relationships? Right. And they tend to be, um, women who want to take care of everyone else, but have, have a very difficult time asking for help themselves. Mm-hmm. So they do tend to get so involved in other people's lives, um, where their goals and dreams get put on the back burner. And then, you know, then they get resentful and angry and it's like, well, what about me? It's like, okay, yeah. What about you? You know, every, every yes you give to someone else is a no you, you that you say to yourself. And, um, you know, I think it's real important. And, and again, depending on how close we are, you know, that's going to dictate the boundaries. Those of us who are, we're more intimately um, involved with, the boundaries are going to be much closer, right? Mm-hmm. Versus boundaries with people that you work with. Or, um, I, I mean, I, I have a relationship with a, um, a gentleman in the produce section of Publix. Every every Sunday, every week I'm um, in there shopping for produce, he and I talk about football. And I don't even know his name. I don't think he knows my name, but it's like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, so you don't need to know what you don't need to know. Again, it it depends on um, how close the relationship with. And one of the things that I see that um, is kind of a pet peeve is people blurring the personal and professional roles Mm. where, they, it gets real personal. So then it's hard to have a business decision because then they think that, oh, well, you don't like me. You're not my friend versus no, this is business. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, that's something I've struggled with having to network um, where you meet women that you like and, and you're friendly with, but with a lot of it is, you know, business is business. And that's different than when you're going out with your, the girls that you would call because you've had a bad date and you're crying and, uh, or whatever the case may be, you wouldn't necessarily do that, you know, during a board meeting. If, you know. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I got this question asked to me today from um, somebody who's listening to the podcast and she reached out and she said, um, her, I'm going to tell you the scenario. Um, I'm curious to see what advice you kind of would give them because I found it fascinating because it's something that I've actually done in my previous relationships too. And I mean, I'm not, she's engaged to this person. I'm, I wasn't engaged. It was, it felt like that, but it wasn't. So there's a lot, a little bit more riding on it, but um, she said her fiance is, um, was in one industry for a long time, wasn't succeeding in that industry, has now changed career paths, but just doesn't seem motivated in this career path that he is in right now. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of frustrated because she's in her career path. She's like going, going, going. And she's like, you know, hustling and getting everything, you know, becoming the breadwinner in the relationship, which Mm -hmm. the number one reason for divorce, right. Is like finances. Right? And children, yeah, finances and children, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're already having financial issues right now, and then you add children to it, 
it's not a good thing. And obviously she doesn't want to go into marriage thinking she's going to get divorced either. No one wants to do that. Right. So right. she was asking me like any suggestions on, on how to handle this whole situation um, and, and what, and what to do, because she's, she, she can't be also like rescuing and kind of mothering him. That's not helpful for anybody. Right. Um, I don't know what your thoughts would be or what your advice would be to give to her. Well, um, yeah, I, you know, and again, this is, I've often thought one of the biggest and life-changing decisions that we make, which is to, to get married or, or to make some kind of a formal commitment lifelong to someone is also a decision that is often made in the heat of the moment. In, in the passion, oh, I'm so in love with you. And oh, this is wonderful. And like you said, you know, it, it's the practical things, it's finances and it's children that are the top reasons for divorce. And um, I think it's important before the, uh, you know, it's always easy, even if it's painful, it's, it's tough to break up an engagement, but it's not nearly as difficult as trying to get a divorce. So I encourage people to have these difficult conversations before and look at what are your approaches to finances? Are you someone who you know, likes to budget or are you somebody who's like, ah, it's a credit card, whatever, or, and what are your career goals? Are you going to be someone who um, is kind of like going from job to job or are you, do you have a career path? Um, mm -hmm. Because these are the things in the long term. you know, do you want to have kids? What are your parenting beliefs on parenting? Um, do you like to travel? I mean, it's amazing. I've heard of people who, when they retire, they're starting to get divorced because in retirement, yeah, get this, in retirement. This is crazy. Yeah, no, actually it's called the gray hair divorce. Um, people 50 years and older have amongst the highest divorce rates. I, I think the trend's gonna end. I, there's a variety of reasons for that. But yeah, and what it boiled down to was one of the person was like, oh, they just wanted to lay around the pool and play golf. And the other one was like, well, no, I'm, I wanna travel. And they could not, it was like, I'm not spending my rest of my life sitting around with you. Um, so uh, one of, I'm going to give a, pl uh, a shout out to uh, a good friend of mine, Kristen Ritchie. She's a family law attorney. Yes. And she specializes in collaborative divorces, but what they've switched to now is uh, collaborative life planning where they meet with the couple before they get married mm. and, and facilitate these conversations and they'll bring in mental health professionals, coaches, financial people to basically hash this all out beforehand. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how do you deal with conflict? That's another thing. If you've had a bad day, how do you need to unwind things again, where when we're all just focused on how, how in love we are, right. We don't realize that, um, we're going to have bad days and things are going to get thrown at us and how do we deal with it? So, um, yeah, I'm all about, um, open communication, transparency, uh, communicating kindly though. You know, you can be honest with what you're wanting without, um, offending or insulting the other person. Um, yeah. because yeah, it's not going to get magically any different. And, um, you want to set yourself up for success. Of course, of course. I, I, I find it interesting that, uh, well, more and more couples are doing counseling, I think before. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think it's so important and needed. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I've actually, um, I'm adding to my programs is kind of like a pre-relationship coaching Mm -hmm. where I work either with the individual to help them come up with how to have the, or the couple, um, uh, yeah, to address these issues because they're going to come up. They're going to come up, you know, what happens if, if somebody suffers a major medical issue? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, again, it's the non-romantic side of relationships, but definitely needed. You can't plan for everything, but you can plan for a lot of things. And even just not even planning, but just knowing what page somebody is on. Um, right. Exactly. And knowing what resources you have to deal with, you know, the things that are going to be thrown your way. Yeah. And knowing that, again, there is help out there. And uh, it's been my experience because I, you know, lots of couples that I know that have been married a long time, they will honestly tell you there have been some really, really tough patches. And they will say, I, I went to therapy. And they're glad they did because they were like, we're not going to give up, but it's gotten rough. And they've sought out professional help to, to navigate the storm so that they can get through it because the, the irony in all of this is conflict and coming through the conflict is what actually strengthens the relationships. If you're always out having fun, mm-hmm. that's fun, but that what really deepens the connection between individuals are people who can weather a storm together and get through the other side. Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of a catch 22, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I I'm, see that couples are doing this more and more often that are, you know, are working together and talking together more, which is so important, which brings me up into an area of engagements. I don't know if you've heard of this or, or if this is becoming more of a trend or not, but engagements are like more each person, they're coming together to discuss like, hey, we want to get engaged and like, you know, we're ready to get this, do this and kind of almost asking each other um, for their hand in marriage instead of one person asking. No, I, I have not heard that, but it, it, I love that because yeah, it's that antiquated, oh, I can't wait for someone to, to propose to me or him to, well, if you're wanting to get married, why not initiate the conversation? Why do you have to wait until the other person asks? Um, just this weekend, um, I was in Virginia with family and one of my nephews, um, has been dating a girl. He, there are seniors in college and He's like, you know, I'm really wanting to be monogamous, but I don't know if she does. And it was just like, wow, until you have the conversation, you're not right. (laughs) You can't make assumptions. And, uh, and I often tell this to my women um, clients who are divorcing, where they may just not, they may not be looking for a monogamous relationship. They may just be looking for companionship. I said, you know what, whatever it is that you're wanting, have that conversation with the person you're involved with and let them know what you're needing. And then they'll either say, oh yeah, I feel the same way or, you know, no, I don't. But then at least you find out, okay, can we then negotiate and work on this? Or is it something where it's like, you know, we don't really, we're not really wanting the same thing at this time. And, and that's okay. 
But if you don't have, again, if you don't have that communication, how are you going to possibly know what's going on in the other person's mind? But I know I love that it's an engagement where both parties are equal and it's not just the old fashioned, you know, you have to wait for the man to get on his, on his knee, even with the ring already picked out. I mean, what happens if uh, you don't like the ring? ring? I know this is terrible. It's setting everything up. That's just not the way to start off a relationship or a marriage. Another thing also, just as we're talking about this and, and talking together and communication together, because that seems to be obviously something that we need more in this world is mm-hmm. I notice like some people will check their significant others like phone and there's that lack of trust. And right. isn't that interesting? Like that if you, I guess if you can't have that conversation with your significant other, or trust them, then you're not really setting yourself up for a successful relationship either. If you have oh, to right. look at the phone all the time. Right. If, you, right. if you don't have, you know, trust that again, if you ask your significant other a question that they're going to answer you honestly, you're fighting a losing battle. And I mean, who wants to have to be checking people's cell phones to see if they're being honest? Um, you know, I get it when it's a mother or father doing it to their kids because, you know, kids, but to adults, I mean, what an energy drain, um, you know, and it's, yeah. And the whole, and, and I often, the whole text messaging thing, I, I encourage my clients to do minimally because only 7% of communication is based on the actual words that we use. And in a text message, it's just words. We can't read the body language, the tone of voice, the facial expression. So there's so much miscommunication that takes place on, yeah, even in some emails, but emails, because you have a little bit more time, it's a little bit different. But um, I'm always like, if it's an important conversation, pick the phone up and call the person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Texting is, there's so many arguments that start over texting. It's not even funny. <laughs> Do you think, I mean, do you think couples should have like time during their week to have conversations and just hold space for each other? I mean, what do you, how, do you suggest something to couples? Yeah, to you know, yeah, because, um, you know, life gets in the way of things, you know, again, and I think a lot of times couples, um, particularly once there are children involved, I've seen where they forget that they first were a couple. And I do think it's important that you have a date night where you have some time in the day where it's just the two of you and you can, you know, talk or whatever you need to do, um, but that you're connecting on some level. Because if mm-hmm. not, um, prof- you know, if you're professionals and you have kids, the week's going to get away from you. And so I, um, again, it's not the most romantic thing. People are like, oh, I want to be spontaneous. I'm like, well, you can be spontaneous. You can, be spontaneous, but you got to schedule the spontaneity, right? Just say, you don't have to decide what you're going to do, but say it's date night. And then we'll decide where we're going to go on that night. Um, you know, uh, because again, if not life gets in the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, okay. So, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about before I know we're going like, ah, there's so many different areas, but, um, I guess like, which we kind of, I guess, are in the zone of what makes a relationship successful, right? Is, is these dates, I guess, is what 
or would you add other things to making a relationship more successful? Um, well, I think open communication and really, however, um, I know someone who with her husband, they have these, I forget what she calls it, but she says, you know, we bring our backpacks. I mean, I think she's figuratively and they bring it to the table and they unload their backpack. So it's like, these are things that are bothering me. These are mm -hmm. things that I, I need to talk to you about. These are things and they talk it out and then it's like, okay, now we're done. We're not bringing this up as we say, have, have conflict. Wait, it's breaking up again. Say that again. We're not is, bringing. Yeah. The thing is, is um, right because in fair fighting, as they call it, or managing, it's important that the couples speak to each other. That you talk about the behaviors, not you don't attack the person. And then once you've resolved the situation, you don't get to bring it up. So it's not like, well, you know, remember two years ago and you did this to me. And, and it's like, well, we talked about that and resolved it. Why are you bringing it up? Um, that's, you know, so they had developed this, you know, routine where it's like, okay, it's our time to get it all out. And then we move forward. So I think couples can get really creative with whatever works for them. Um, I think everybody wants to be heard and wants to be seen by their companion yeah. or partner. Um, so yeah, you can get so many different ways to do it. It's, it could be, and it could be fun. You know, it doesn't have to be serious and, you know, difficult all the time because that, you know, there's going to be enough of that thrown at you anyways. Right. So why create more? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we were talking about these like four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right, 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 right. Well, it this was um, created by uh, Dr. John Gottman, who has the Gottman Institute, and they are kind of like the big uh, research institute on studying couples and what makes couples successful. Mm -hmm. And he observed couples arguing or disagreeing and came up with a model where he can predict within 91 or 92% accuracy, the couples who are gonna survive. And what he's termed this are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And this is how people fight, or I shouldn't say fight, that's terrible, disagree. Um, and these are the things that if you do this long-term, this is what's going to, to destroy your relationships. Um, so quickly, the first is defensiveness. Um, this usually happens with people who feel like they're in lower power positions and they tend to have the need to defend themselves and they often will, it's not my fault and they play the victim, right? And they get defensive. Um, then there's stonewalling where this is some, usually people who are in higher power positions where it's, it's my way or the highway, take mm -hmm. it or leave it. Um, mm -hmm. They also may just refuse to engage with you where they'll give you the silent treatment. They don't want to talk about it, okay? Then there's criticism. Now, complaints are different than criticism. Complaints are what we, that's the behaviors that we're, we're talking about. You know, when somebody's late, you know, when, you know, whatever the case may be, addressing the behavior versus a criticism is where you're kind of attacking the person's character. You're mm -hmm. lazy, you know, versus, you know, I, I get really frustrated when you run 30 minutes late, when we've had, you know, 
plans versus you're lazy, you're never on time. Um, you know, again, then the people get defensive and then, um, the worst and is the one that is the, the worst on relationship is contempt. And that takes criticism to another level where it's not just about criticizing the person and their, 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 you know, character or their personality, but it's where they're doing it with the intention of being cruel. Oh. or in extreme cases to be psychologically abusive. You know, people who are really sarcastic, people who roll their eyes, a lot of people who use really, and then they'll say, oh, I'm just being funny, real sarcastic and cutting humor. They're not being funny. They're, they're trying to cut you down. Because if you have contempt towards someone, how can you possibly build a relationship? So that's, the contempt is the big one. Um, and then there are antidotes to how you address it. Cause we, we all do this from time to time. Also, let's face it. I, I know I've gotten defensive in the past. I mean, you know, so oh, yeah. the idea, you know, we do it, we're human. The, the idea is to be aware of when you're doing it so that you can kind of clean it up after the fact, or just kind of know that this is my tendencies. I'm going to come off defensive. So if there's going to be a, a pretty significant serious conversation you know you want to pick a time where both people can be present mm -hmm. and they're not distracted they're not stressed out um you know you use the i statements you address the behaviors not not the character um and if things do get too heated it's okay to say you know what this is this is not productive let we need to take a time out and we will talk about this again and then you set a time to reconvene. Um, and this can, this works with you know, intimate couples, this works with teams, you know, whenever there's disagreements, um, ways to, um, and the one, and the thing I really love is what I call the shared reality, which is where mm. you start with, what is it that you both agree on? Because there's always something, right? Mm. What, even if it's 1%, what is, what is it that you agree on? And mm. then, work from there okay you may disagree with how you want to get to a point but most people agree that there's a problem yeah and then it's about staying in the solution um and yeah. again once you come up with a solution everybody moves forward and then it's like okay again this is this we're solving this we're not going to continue to hash it up every time you're upset with me this is not going to be thrown in my face yeah so. it's, it's not helpful to bring in past garbage no, but <laughs> you know do it. well you know i did this because you did this to me and it's like whoa you know okay yeah it's, yeah. it's it, it, staying solution focused and but also honoring people's feelings you know i think sometimes people get too academic where it's like let's just solve it versus no somebody may have been hurt mm -hmm. and they get to cry they get to get angry again appropriately if you're angry mm -hmm. get angry but you don't become abusive to other people and then the person who may have been the one that maybe did something to hurt them they have to allow that person to feel what they feel and then again there's a lot about apologizing you know that was not my intent mm -hmm. i can see where you saw that and i'm really sorry um and i you know i promise to do better in the future i mean i've had that conversation with my boyfriend um more than once because again in the heat of the moment, sometimes things get said that you later think, well, you know, I, I could have handled that better. Yeah.
it's those boundaries again, right? It goes, it goes kind of back. Those boundaries like mm-hmm. are, are so seriously needed in everything. Right. And it's so easy, I guess, these today, today's day and age to um, cross those boundaries or just push them aside or, or release your boundaries and have no boundaries. Um, because I think I, we went from so extreme, like I'm going to use the 1950s for an example, like there was lots of like rules and set things. And now it's more of a free for all for people. <laughs> right. And, you know, again, even culturally, um, you know, I was raised in a military German Catholic family, so it, it doesn't get a, any more kind of by the rules, right? And, um, and and not overly demonstrative physically, you know, so we would hug and kiss our parents, but we weren't big huggers and, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I went to college and my college roommate was half Italian and half Peruvian. And I meet her and her family the first day and they're all hugging and kissing on me. And I'm just like, oh my God, you know, and, um, and and I adapted, but, you know, still it's funny how people are like, oh, you just need a hug. I'm like, I really don't. And, oh, what, what are you cool and aloof? It's like, no, I just, this is my boundary and please respect it. Um, and so I, I kind of think we, those of us who are like that kind of got bashed over the last couple of decades because everybody was supposed to be this, let's, you know, hug and kiss each other on the cheeks where it's like, okay, that's not my comfort zone. Some people just, they, they want to just come in. You're like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable for me right now. <laughs> right. Or they ask, asking questions too, that could be highly personal yeah. and Again, depending on the roles that both people are in, um, again, you can ask your intimate partner, you know, there's, it's pretty much fair game, let's call it, right? The one that you're most intimate with. But then, you know, again, everyone doesn't need to know everything. And I, what I've seen, you know, with a lot of uh, couples is that they'll, and I'm going to, this is stereotypic, but the, the wife will bring in her mother or her sisters, but then they work it out with the husband and they stay together, but then mom and the sisters are not going to let it go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why did your, does your mother need to know that much intimate detail about your relationship with your husband? You know, yeah. you have other girlfriends that you could talk to. If it's that bad. You have professionals to talk to. Um, but yeah, involving moms <laughs> into relationships. Um, well, you, when you marry the family, when you marry the person, you marry the family, right? So that's enough as it right, is. Right, so. right, right. No, that's true. But again, every, again, everyone, you know, just like with parents and kids, kids don't need to know everything that's going on in the parental relationship, right? They don't need to be exposed to stuff before it's age appropriate or, you know, but interesting, it is important. And I think this was like in the fifties too, where parents, didn't show that they, they disagreed because they didn't mm-hmm. want to fight or argue in front of their kids. Yeah. Well, what ended up happening was the kids never learned how to art that it's okay, first of all, for a mom and dad to disagree. And then, you know, how do you do it? And that, yeah, you can disagree and still love each other and move on. So then there's conflict and nobody knows um, what's going on. And, you know, but you don't want to be bashing each other in front of the kids. You shouldn't be bashing anyone anyways, but um, you know, because you are the role models, you learn how to be in a relationship 
from watching your parents, which is also why domestic violence is so tragic, is that what it's teaching the kids as far as how to, to be in relationships. Yes. Um, I mean, that's an extreme example, but. but um, I mean, you, you model what you, you see, you, you do it, you model or you model what you, you do what you want. Thank you. How else are you going to know? It's, and as far as relationship goes too, with siblings, siblings are the first people you have that could be a peer group. Mm-hmm. So again, they say, don't be so quick to jump in and, and solve your kids' issues with each other because they're learning how to, to you know, interact with a peer group. And so when they go off to school, how are they going to be with their, if they haven't kind of learned how to, to, to negotiate these things? So um, yeah, it's, it's truly fascinating. I mean, that's why I love relationships is because it's just... And, uh, and then if you think about the family as a relationship, it gets even more complex with yeah. the dynamics between and the roles that they play. And if somebody stops playing a certain role, how that throws the whole system into chaos. And it's, um, it's truly like a spider web. It is. It absolutely is. One area cannot be disturbed without the entire spider web shaking. Shaking. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's how the spider knows where the fly is. Right. Yeah, it gets tangled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it yeah. sends little waves, and I'm like, "Oh, here he is!" Yeah, it's um, it is ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna throw this out to you because I'm dating and I'm in this dating field, and like, is there questions or things that I should be doing on dates that would help me? I guess uh, narrow it down to my person or help solidify a stronger relationship mm-hmm. um do you how are you finding these guys <laughs> right now online or getting set up by people or or well, i mean i'm trying i'm trying like the old-fashioned grocery store method and just talking to people but <laughs> well, really one of the things, yeah no 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 that's hard because then yeah um <laughs> No, and I think online dating, I know, I know people who have done online dating and ended up, you know, finding people who they've been now married to for, for years and it's been very successful. It's, it's, um, but I think the bottom line is um, there's got to be, you know, the, the old adage is that they say opposites attract. Um, however, opposites attract initially, but what they have found that in the long run, people who are more similar are the ones together. Really? Yeah, and that the very things that you are often attracted to in a person ends up being the very thing that ends up driving you crazy because it's something that's so, it's like somebody so different from you. So initially it's so exciting and they're so outgoing and all this other stuff. And then you're like, you know, it becomes overwhelming. Um, So I always say, do what you love and surround with people that um, are similar, but not the same. You know, we don't want to be, you know, but, um, and this is very unscientific, but go with your gut, you know, uh, and give somebody, somebody said like a month, like three or four dates before you toss them, unless it's something that's um, really egregious. Um, But I know that 
when I, I've only, I've gotten in trouble when I've ignored what my gut was telling me about being around someone. Um, and I know that's not very scientific, but yeah, just have open conversations. Um, but aren't relationships know. like not very scientific, you know, it's like, <laughs> it is, but there, it isn't, it's like, so right, you, you, right. we can look at communication styles and study it, but there's a lot to be said for, um, again, that for lack of a better kind of the spiritual connection that you have with people, yeah, you know, the energy connection. Um, and yeah, because how many times have you met somebody that on paper and, and again, either mm-hmm. online dating or, you know, even when I was interviewing people for positions, when I was, you know, a program director on paper, they looked one way mm-hmm. and they would come in and I'm like, Ooh, this would destroy the team, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, meeting with people who have similar interests and then just kind of going with your gut. And then you'll know it if, if depending on how they're cracking jokes or the comments that they're making, where it's just kind of like, uh, and they, they always say, how do they treat the waiter, right? Or people who can't mm. speak back, it speaks volumes for their character. But, um, and uh, yeah, and don't spend too much time talking about your ex initially. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. No one wants to talk about that. We talk about the future or the present, not the right. past. Right. What are your interests? What do you, you know, what do you like to do on your weekends? You know, where have you traveled? I mean, you know, keeping it very um, kind of like an interview, but, you know, for someone who's like, is this somebody that I want to hang with? Yeah. Um, and you don't always know the first time you're with someone if, is, you know, is this going to be something that turns out you have to get to know people before yeah. you know if this is somebody because you know we've all done it right we dated dated lots of guys that you know initially like ooh, and then after three or four months I'm like you know what this is just not gonna work yeah um, and it's not because there anything's wrong with them it's just not working as we're talking I'm like thinking oh my gosh I went on a date with a guy a couple of weeks ago I mean it's been a couple of weeks now we were supposed to do a second date we never did um just planning and timing, I guess. And then it just kind of fizzled and sizzled out. But I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I probably should have really pushed that second date, even though I got too much in my head about like, oh, maybe this like really won't work. So why am I going to waste my time? But mm-hmm. that's the whole point, right? Of dating. And that's kind of where I'm going now is I've been dared a couple of times now, which I always like to take on a dare sometimes, not always, but I, I enjoy it depending on the dare um, on bringing, uh, going on second dates now more so than I like not shutting off so much and giving more green lights instead of red lights. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Being, yeah. Because again, the first date, people are going to be a little uncomfortable. It's yeah. not, you know, it's like job interviews, you, you know, how many, I mean, beyond maybe high school jobs, you go on multiple job interviews before you get the job typically. Yeah. You know, because it's like, okay, I want to make sure that, you know, and then it's like, oh, and you need to meet this person. We just want to make sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would encourage you to, um, yeah, give somebody a second or third shot before you rule it out, because you might be ruling out somebody that maybe they're just having a bad day and they're off, or maybe they're just a little nervous. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, I'm debating. Should I like even reach out to him now and see if he wants to do a second date? You know, <laughs> right? You I know, know say, hey, you know, I, you know, I got real, I super busy. I know we said we would get. To, did you say you were going to get together for a second date? We did, and then we never finalized it. Type of thing. Okay, so you yeah. can just say, hey, you know, 
I'm sorry, the holidays, life got in the way. Would really like to see you again, you know, and then see mm -hmm. how he responds. And if he doesn't respond, then that's like, okay, then yeah, at least, you know, check, right? Cross him off next. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's so, if, if, it's so funny that we're so easily uh, put up these walls, these red lights, right? Or find something wrong with somebody because we look at these apps and we're like, oh, there's another one out of the sea. There's another one, there's another one. But um, sometimes it's nice to just give that one mm. person a shot and everything. So. Uh, right, because you know, if you're constantly finding why somebody's not gonna work, my question would be like, are you really even looking for a relationship? Yeah. Are you scared to get into a relationship? So you're already saying, no, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, versus trying it because then you got to be vulnerable, right? And ooh. I know, right? Oh, I want to do that just in case yeah. it doesn't work out. That whole heartbreak thing again. Right. I mean, I'm not doing this again. Yeah, forget it. And, uh, but you know, that's really, that's no way to live, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mary, this is so, so much fun. Thank you so much for joining and being Thank on the you, podcast and, and everything. But but before we go, where can everybody find you and stay connected uh, with you? You can, uh, I am working on my website, so um, it's not up to date, but you can find me at www .maryc.owens.com. Uh You can email me at mary at maryc.owens.com if you have any questions or um, I'm always giving out sample sessions to kind of explore where you're at to see if if you know coaching would be an option um, and it's complimentary no strings attached um, um, so reach out to me if you're interested in having a further conversation and I know you throw events are you throwing any events soon or just because of COVID and everything it's been a little um, I haven't been doing it. I am doing, it's not a relationship event. It's about, well, it's about communication and, and, and having your power and using your voice, but it's more designed for um, professional speakers. A lot of what I'm doing now is I'm going to groups that are already established. Um, I've got mm -hmm. a couple of retreat, women's retreats um, in the state of Florida in the spring where I'm going to be one of the, the trainers and speakers um, rather than, um, you know, creating my own because that is, marketing and all that it's a whole different it's easier to just go and yeah yeah right yeah. they have the audience i send them my speaker sheets they're like yeah we want to hear you i go yeah the room is full so i'm like okay i don't have to market so it's beautiful. i totally get it i totally get it right. but um i will put everything in the show notes and make sure everybody can stay connected with you and awesome. uh, thank you okay. so much thank you so much Ariel. always my pleasure <laughs>